Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Special thank you to Alone Kamieni, as always, for providing the beautiful breakfast. Topic this morning is Beware of the Rainbow, exploring the meaning and the mystery of the Keshis. Um, I'd like to get a little bit of the background as to what the rainbow is, what it represents, and then jump into a few issues, Halacha Lemaisa, when we see a rainbow, what exactly is the issue of staring at it, when and where does that apply, and uh, the bracha, what is the bracha, what does the bracha mean, and when should we say the bracha. Starting with some of the psukim here, Kadosh Baruch Hu says, V'hakimosi esbrisi yitchem, v'liyikores kol basarod mibayamabol, I am now creating a covenant with you that I will not destroy all flesh based on the waters of the Mabel. And there will never be again a great flood that will devastate the world. It goes on to Pasuk Yud Gimbal. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. And this will be a sign of this bris, this covenant between me and the earth. Again in Pasuk Tesvav. This rainbow will serve as a reminder between me and all of the living people, animals, everything on the planet. That there will never be again a great flood that will destroy humanity. So reading these psukim at face value, what exactly is this promise? So for example, if somebody says, and there are articles like this almost every day, I saw something from NASA, and they're telling us there's going to be a comet, it could be in the next 10 to 15 years, and it's going to be coming dangerously close to planet Earth, and it might actually destroy the entire planet. Is that kfira? Is that heresy? So it depends on how we understand these psukim. It depends on how we understand the promise that Hashem is giving humanity. So if you read it at face value, it sounds like the only haftacha, the only thing I could tell you, says Hashem, is that there's never going to be a massive flood again. A crazy earthquake, a comet, a terrible other disaster, global warming. There are many ways I can kill you, trust me, right? But just no more mabel. Is that the haftacha? Or is it a general protection for humanity? Don't worry anymore. I will never cause the world to be destroyed again, period, in any way, shape, or form. Right? So how do we know Pshat here? Orachim is bothered by this question, and he brings different angles. One assumption is that it means, as it says, the only promise is limited to a flood. The other approach is that it means all forms of destruction. Uh, the Svorna was quite clear. The Svorna in source number three he says, Lo ofen There will be nothing. No global warming, no comet, no asteroid, nothing else that will ever again destroy the entire world. Okay. 
Let's go with the Sforno. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, when you read the Pesukim at face value, it sounds like Hashem is creating the rainbow for the first time. Now, after the flood, I want to show you, here's my sign of the covenant. Here's the rainbow. Right, check it out. What a beautiful thing. Comes along the Ramban. And he says in source number four, We have to listen to the Greeks. We have to believe in what the Greek philosophers tell us. That the rainbow is a natural occurrence. That when you have the rays of the sun coming through the moisture, that creates this reality of the rainbow when we see the colors. So, al we have to believe the Greeks. Why do we have to believe them? Right. Maybe they're wrong. How often does the Ramban say, we have to believe the Greek philosophers? So clearly what the Ramban means is that the reason we have to believe them is because we know it's true, right? We don't care the Greeks said it. It could have been anybody. But based on our own knowledge and understanding of the world, this makes sense. You can, you can make your own rainbow. Well, make it yourself. That, why is that significant? So how, how does that cancel out that? Well, it cancels out the, the Pashib shot in the Pasuk to say that Hashem totally transformed the entire world after the Mabel to make the new reality of a rainbow. He didn't feel comfortable with that. But Ode, what's that? It's a good point, you know. Is, is it such a crazy argument to say everything is different now? Right. I mean, okay. there, are, there are other aspects of the Bria that Hashem changed after the Mabel, like the ground wasn't, like, or actually, like, like the ground wasn't cursed anymore. Or that was even before the Bible, I think, when Noah arrived, right? It's like... Listen, there, there could be many things that were different before, after than before. I think the Ramban's main point is that he feels this is a reality of nature. And uh, there's no indication that Hashem changed the entire nature right after the Mabel regarding this. But the more important point is not from the Greeks, it's the Ode. He says, furthermore, if you read the Pasuk carefully... We could derive this from the verse itself. Hashem says, My rainbow that I have placed in the clouds. And it does not say, That I am placing. So clearly, says the Ramban, This is something that was there before. So what's the significance? So it's, Mora Shaisalo Clearly it was there from the beginning of time, according to the Mishnah and Perkyavos. It was actually one of the things created before the beginning of time, for a different discussion. He says, Hashem is basically saying, that, that rainbow that I created from the, the very beginning of creation, this will now have a significance. This will now have meaning for humanity that whenever you see this, you'll be reminded of my covenant. You'll be reminded of my promise never to destroy the entire world again. That's how the Ramban learns Peshach. On science end, there was, there was never the concept, I mean, I'm not familiar with how rainbows are formed, on the science end, but was that there before? So that's the question: Was it there before the marble? So Ramban is saying it was definitely there before the marble. 
A rainbow is the rays of the sun going through moisture in the air so that creates did, the colors of the rainbow. Where did rainbows appear prior? Because it says now I'm putting it in the clouds. So there is a nice discussion, yesh lachkor. When the Ramban says it was always there, does that mean nothing at all changed? Or does that mean the, the reality was always there, but never maybe appeared. people never really saw it before? Maybe Hashem orchestrated uh, the Bria that people were never aware of that, of that Mitzvah. So it's like you play something there then. you play something there then that always comes. No, well, what the, the Rabbi is saying, the Sati is the Lashon Avar, is the past tense. So he understands that Pasuk to mean the rainbow that I placed Ba'anan from the very beginning of time, more than 1600 years ago, now this is taking on significance. It doesn't sound like the change is on the realness here. It sounds like the change is in the meaning of the. That's the Pashup Shad in the Rabban. Pashup Shad is nothing at all changed in the Bria. We believe the Greeks because we know how nature works. And the only thing that's changing is now Hashem's revealing to us why it's important. Mm-hmm. Let's jump to the morale. <clears throat> this is a general theme we'll find many times throughout the morale whenever there seems to be a contradiction between science and Torah. Right? There are two ways, or really three ways, to answer any contradiction. Either A is wrong and B is right or A is right and B is wrong, or they're both wrong, or the fourth shot is they're both right, but they're talking about different things. So when it comes to any contradiction between science and Torah, either science is wrong and Torah is right, or they're both right, but they're addressing different questions. So it comes along the morale and he says, Lo hativis, Oftentimes, Chazal, although it looks like they might be explaining how something works, the truth is, they really don't care how it works. Did they know how it worked? I'm sure they did. But that's not what they're addressing. Why not? That's Narishkeit. You know, let the other people figure that out. We're reading the bowl together. This is from the Sif Sechaim quoting the morale. That's given for people who are scientists, who are researchers, or are doctors, but not for the Chachamim. Well, that's not their ASIC, that's not their focus. Says the Maral, Chazal were only concerned about what's the Siba of the Siba? Meaning to say, everything in the natural world has a siba, a mesovev, something that causes this to exist. Chazal, we're looking for the deeper reason behind the reason. Right? So we're not looking, uh, technically speaking, how does it work? We want to answer the question, why, why does it work? Why does a Kodesh Baruch Hu want it like this? And it explains with Chaim Friedlander, Chazal donu b'davarim yoser mukim. They're spending their time on deeper things. They're getting into the root, the spiritual essence of what we perceive to be reality. The, the spiritual forces in play that are causing our Gashmiyasdik perception. Really, the truth is, we, uh, we make the mistake. 
And we think there are two aspects of life. Ha'olam ha'gashmi mechad gisa. We have the physical world. Ve'olam ruchani midach gisa. And then we have the spiritual world. Avol be'emes, the truth is, explains Ruchaim Friedlander, this is what the morale is telling us. Ha'olam ruchani eno olam acher. The spiritual dimension is not a different world. Mikivan sheyesh be'odargus ruchni yisrabos. Ve'yesh siba yeshara lo'olam ha'gashmi ve'yesh siba l'siba. But rather, everything we have here has a shorish, has a spiritual root, and that's the omic, that's the, the depth of Chazal. They're analyzing what exactly is that shorish, what's the root of what we find here. He goes on to say, this is the pshat and the rainbow. Right? Just like the Ramban, nothing changed physically, but the Torah is explaining the siba of the physical siba, the spiritual reason behind the physical reason. Azoy Zakhtar Amban, and that's what the morale says as well. Why would it be a culprit to say it's a natural phenomenon? So he goes on to say, you're, you're cheating. You're reading ahead. We didn't read that together. I don't have to know Pshat and something I didn't read out loud, right? He goes on to say, If you deny this reality, then you're basically a kofr. Why? Because part of the basic amuna in Torah is that everything in this world is really an illusion. It's only here because there's a spiritual shorish behind it. That's the Chazal that tells us every blade of grass, right? It's only growing. Anything that, that grows, anything that, that exists, is only because there's a real shorish beruchnius. And the focus of Chazal was, what exactly is that shorish and why do we have it? Yeah, very similar, very similar. Let's jump to the Gemara here, yeah? Let's, let's get into some of the Halacha Lamai, so we don't want to get too deep. The Gemara Chagiga says as follows. So we have a background on the Ramban and the Meral. Now we get into some of the Halacha. The Gemara is speaking about a person, Shalochas al Kono, who is not concerned for the honor of his Creator. What's an example of that? What's an example of someone who doesn't have the proper respect for Hashem? So Rav Abba Amar One who gazes at the rainbow. Where does that come from? The Gemara says it's based on the Pasuk in Yecheskel. Pasuk says, Kemare HaKeshes Ba'anan Biyom HaGeshem. This is Yecheskel describing what his Nevoah was like. And giving us, the reader, a glimpse into what prophecy feels like. It was like the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds biyom hageshem on the day of rain. Kain mara hanoge soviv hu mara demus kavod Hashem. That was the appearance of the presence of Hashem, the demus kavod Hashem, the honor of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The apple alponai veeshma kol medaber. I fell on my face. And I heard the kol medaber, I heard the, uh, the nevuah coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Yechezkel compares prophecy with seeing a rainbow. And based on that, the Gemara says, HaMistakil B'Keshes, if you're gazing at the Keshes, then it's like you're gazing directly at Hashem on some level, and that's a lack of kavod. That's disrespect. Why is it disrespectful to, to gaze at something that kind of represents God? Made 
not saying the direct connection. Oh, so so we're we're gonna get to a chazal similar to that, with the the Atzile Bnei Yisrael. So we'll have to analyze what exactly is the disrespect of, of gazing at something that represents Hashem. But the Gemara says, a strong Lashen, if you do this, it doesn't say it's Aser, but if you gaze at the rainbow, you are disrespecting your Creator. Now the Malbim on this Pasuk right, takes us a little bit deeper. Why is there an analogy between the rainbow and prophecy? What exactly is that connection? And we're going to get briefly into the world of the spheros. We talk about the spheros all the time. Not really, right? <laughs> uh, the reason we, we really stay away from the spheros is because, like anything in Kabbalistic literature, if it's not understood properly, oftentimes we're magashe. We make it way too simplified and physical and have a warped understanding of what it is. So for lowly people like yourselves, I have to keep these secrets to, you know, to myself. <laughs> but we'll, we'll dabble a little bit into the Sviro. Says the Malbin, that Nidma Be'enav, it appeared in the eyes of Yecheskel, Kemare HaKeshes, Esheyiyah Banan Biyom HaGeshem, like the form of the cloud, the form of the rainbow that appears in the cloud. Kemo Shehaor Shehu Echad Muso. So here's the analogy. Just like light, which is uniquely one, can't divide light, it is what it is. However, when we have this metzius of the, the rays of light going through the geshem, going through the moisture, then it appears as if it's mechulak. It looks like it's separated and it's actually different colors. How many colors are there in the rainbow according to our Kabbalah from Chazal? Seven. Now, you might be asking Akasha, that doesn't go with the song. What? I'm just saying, but the song doesn't tell us seven. <laughs> but right, we know from Chazal there are seven colors, and that seems to be the accepted understanding as well from the scientific world. So we have the or which is obviously unique, and there are no particular colors, but when it goes through the moisture, then it looks as if it's divided, and we have all the colors of the rainbow. It even rhymes. So the same thing is true, and even though we're using physical terms, obviously we have no hasaga, we have no grasp of what this means, but if we picture it as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the endless light, the Ein Sof, that's something that we, we can't relate to, we have no hasaga, we have no conception of. However, the spheros, what they are in a nutshell, is they're almost like a filtering system from that Ein Sof, from that endless, blinding reality of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, filtering down into our own perception of reality where we could deal with it, we could, we could relate to it. So the Sviros are almost some kind of filtering system from the intensity of the spirituality, and it goes lower and lower and lower into our own dimension where we have the life as we know it. So says the Malbim, the seven colors of the rainbow actually represent the seven lower spheros. Those are the ones 
somehow directing or re- relating to our Gashmiistic existence. The three upper spheros are in a whole different dimension. Okay. Spheros. The best translation of a sphera is a sphera. But we view it as different, different dimensions of almost a filtering system. You know, that's a, the hashpa that comes into this world goes through the smiros. Now we're going to see the, the Ramchal in one moment here. But let's just understand how this relates to prophecy. So just like when it comes to a rainbow, if you have the most, the bright, shining, radiant light, but there's no geshem, there's no rain, there's no moisture, what happens to that light? It stays totally blinding. You can't even see it. Only when it comes in contact with the thickness of the cloud, the same thing is true with the light of a god. There's no, there's no timuna, there's no image of God in any way, shape, or form until it comes in contact with the of, with the gashmi's dick of the human being. So Yechesko was saying, because that endless light came in contact with me, I was able to perceive something. What I was perceiving, and this is true for every prophet, was not HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but I was only able to see something because it was filtered through my Gashmias Dick reality. What's that? So then it's not, you're not looking at Hashem. So you're not looking at Hashem because there's no way to look at Hashem. But it sounds like from the Pasuk, the rainbow represents nevuah, or represents gazing at Hashem, because that's how we perceive Hashem. We only perceive Hashem through the light coming in contact with Gashmias, and that's exactly what a rainbow is. That's how the Malbim understands the Pasuk in Yechazkel. Here we have a chart of the spheros. We can't ask kashas from songs. We've already established that. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere, and and that's why even getting into the topic of spheros is a dangerous one. It's basically just the concept of how the shefa, how the godliness, is filtered into our reality. More than that, we have very little hasaga. The, 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 the sky means nothing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is endless. Ain so, right? So, so there's no place where it's coming from. Having a place means that there's something physical. It's coming from up, it's coming down. Anything we talk about in the Olam HaRuchni, you can't point to where it is. It doesn't make any sense. You can't point to where Ruchni is. No, where's the sky? And we're floating. We're the earth. So we're... It's not necessarily sky. It's... We could, we could spend a long time discussing these things and probably not get much clarity on the topic. This is how the Ramchal gives us a basic definition of the spheros in number nine, with the beautiful diagram here. You see the seven bottom spheros, Chesed, Gevura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, Malchus. Those are the seven spheros that we're told are somewhat interacting with our Metzius, with our world. And then the three higher ones, Chachmah, Bina, and Keser, that's in a whole different dimension. Says the Ramchal, Hasviros heim ha'oros. The Sviros are the lights. Vizeh. Kinei Hasviros heim ma'ashe lokus mispashed 
The spheros are allowing the godliness to spread to us. The best word we have in Hebrew or English or any other language would be the light, the light of godliness. But obviously there's no word that describes this reality. The only problem is if you don't use words, you can't talk, and we have to communicate this somehow. So we refer to the spheros as oros, as lights. Okay. So getting back a little bit down to planet Earth for a moment. The Gemara is telling us that mistakel bekeshes, by gazing at the rainbow, because that represents Hashem, based on that Pasuk in Yecheskel, that's a lack of kovod kono, that's disrespecting Hashem. We have another Gemara in Brachos. Gemara in Brachos, and Avnuntas, it tells us, Haroa es hakeshes banan, one who sees the rainbow in the clouds, Sarech sheyipul alpanav, you have to fall on your face. Imagine if we actually had that obligation, halacha lemaisa. Stop driving. Imagine, imagine in, in, in the Sun Sentinel, how that would end. There were religious Jews falling on their face with the appearance of the rainbow. But where does this come from? From the same pasuk in Yecheskel. Kamara hakashes ashayiyah benan biyom hageshem. He says, erev epol alpanai. I fell on my face. Obviously, that means he was overwhelmed by the, the intensity of that interaction with Hashem. So according to the first Peshat in the Gemara, it sounds like we have an obligation to be overwhelmed like Yechaskel to the point where we collapse. However, the Gemara says, In Marava, in Eretz Yisrael, they would actually curse people who did this. Because it looks as if like they were bowing down to the rainbow. And in general, we're very concerned. Anything in the natural world, Kiddush Levana, we have the same discussion. We can't do anything that gives off the appearance that we're, we're giving some uh, power or influence to the uh, celestial bodies or to the rainbow. And therefore, they paskin, do not fall on your face when you see a rainbow. Exactly, because he was actually receiving the vua. So, halacha l'maisa, if we actually receive the vua, it's okay to fall on your face. Maybe that's the control. You know this idea of not emphasizing the, that, that you're davening to the celestial body. Why are there so many sukkim in the uh, Shlavana which address the moon? So we're gonna have we're gonna have Mitzvah a whole share in Kiddush Shlavana. We missed it this week. This would have been a good week for it. But in Ritz maybe next month, we'll have a Kiddush Levon this year. It's a good question. However, the Gemara says, although we don't bow down, but we do make the bracha. What bracha do we make in the rainbow? Baruch HaTashem, Literally, who remembers the bris, the bris of not destroying humanity, Neman Bebriso, who's trusted in his bris, that needs explanation, Vakayem Bamamaro, and who keeps his word. 
So what's the Hasbir? What's the basic explanation of this bracha that the Gemara says we have to make? So we have her in source number 11 from the Avud Raham and from the Masha. Let's first see the Avud Raham. He explains that Kishay Kodesh Baruch Ro'es HaRishoyim Rotsu When Hashem sees the wicked, He wants to, so to speak, destroy the world. But then Hashem sees the rainbow. He remembers the bris and He holds Himself back. So obviously explains the Vudraham. Hashem doesn't need a reminder. Hashem doesn't forget. Rather, it's a sign to the world. When they see the rainbow, that there are a lot of Risha Yisrael, a lot of Jews who are doing the wrong thing. And without this Shvu, without the promise Hashem made, Hashem would destroy the world. So when you see the rainbow, the message could be a very, uh, very harsh one. You're worthy of destruction, and the only reason I'm not following through with my Ratzon is because I made a promise. We have a Havtacha. V'zeh Perush, based on this he explains, this is the meaning of the bracha, Neman Bebriso. Zocher Bris, he remembers the Bris, but Neman Bebriso, he has Nemanus with the Bris, that he will never transgress it, even if the, there are many Rishoyim. And what is that last point of the bracha, that he keeps his word? Explains the Vudram, that means even if there was not a bris, even if there was never that promise, Kevin Shamar Bediber Ba'alma, since it was said, once a Kodesh Baruch Hu says something, even if there's no formal Kinyin, there's no contract signed, of course Hashem will keep His word. So according to the Avudraham, the bracha is, Zocher Habris, Neman Bebriso, and even if you feel like we're worthy of destruction, you're Neman to keep the covenant, Vekayim B'mamaro, and you hold on to your word, even if there was not a bris, you still wouldn't do it because you said so. And that's the Avudraham. According to this understanding of the bracha, this might be the first indication that when we see a rainbow, maybe there is some kind of simen ra. Right? Maybe it is a negative sign. Until now, we've never seen that. Right? From the Gemara, the Rishonim, we have no mention that a rainbow means anything negative whatsoever. The Avudraham, based on his understanding of the bracha, right, gives us a little bit of a different feel of the rainbow. Let's do quickly the Marsha. The Marsha has a different understanding of the bracha. He explains that Zohar bres neman hu lasos kein. This is that second paragraph in number 11. Lefisha'ein kol chadash taches ha-shemish. And this is really going in line with the Ramban and the Maral. We know there's nothing new under the sun. V'lo nivr ha-keshes achshav lizchor ha-bris. Hashem did not create the rainbow now just to remember the bris. Amr od v'kayim b'mamoro we add that last phrase of the bracha that Hashem holds on to His word. Shikavar nivra hakeshes b'maimer b'sheshes yemei b'reshes. The the keshes was part of the original creation. 
And like we learned in the Mishnah in Perki Avos, it was even Nivru Be'erev Shabbos. Mamish, you know, one of the special things that were created Erev Shabbos. Ve'echad mehem asakashis. So the, uh, the, the phrase, Ve'kayim be'mamaru, according to the Marsha, is that Hashem holds on to His initial word, the word that was used, so to speak, in the creation of the rainbow. Sheishis yimbereishis. Okay. However, there is a basic question. If we're not supposed to look at the rainbow, then how do you say a bracha? And the Gemara's expression is, when you see the rainbow, you make the bracha. So it sounds like, at least superficially, somewhat of a contradiction. How can I ever see a rainbow if I'm not allowed to look? Or you can't gaze at it. Oh. So we have this distinction in many places in halacha, the difference between histaklus and re'iyah. And histaklus is gazing, looking with intent, and re'iyah is, I'm, I'm seeing something, I'm noticing something. Where it's the, uh, let's take a quick look here at the Beis Yosef. The Beis Yosef quotes this distinction. He says, the Gemara Chagiga tells us, Asr boharbe. You should not look at it a lot. You should not gaze at it a lot. And if you do so, that's disrespecting Hashem. Yet the Gemara in Bracha says, you have to look at it to make the Bracha. So he quotes the Rush. This is the third line of the Beis Yosef, source number 13. This question was posed to the Rush. How do we look at the rainbow to make the Bracha? The Gemara says, if you look at it, it actually diminishes the light of your eyes. You're not supposed to. Veheshiv, the Rush's answer, was just like Shmuel. De'ein mistakel karoa. Gazing is not the same thing as looking. Ki mistakel mosef umedaktek bahabato. Yoser meharoa. Gazing is you're really being medaktek, you're being meticulous. You're, you're looking with, with a lot of intensity. And re'iya is just, I'm looking. To look is fine, that's not a disrespect to Hashem. You look at it, you say the bracha, but we avoid his taklos. So we're going to get there in one moment. We're going to get there in one moment about calling someone or letting someone know there is a rainbow. But we still have to define what is his taklos, which is problematic, and what is re'iya, which seems to be totally okay. Right, meaning halachalamaisa, if you see a rainbow and you look up, Am I allowed to, to say to myself, no one else is here, right? Wow, that is gorgeous. And then get back to my, my kitzos. Am I allowed to do that? So take a look at the lavush. The way the lavush describes the problem of his staklus. This is the, uh, the fifth to last line of the paragraph in number 15. That's the Gemara Chagiga. It's as if you're being light with his honor. It's only if it's gazing with a lot of contemplation, with really, really focusing on it. Aser, shezen nira kemachtsif ukemekel bechvod malko yusborach because then it looks like you're being machtsif. It's a chutzpah. You're not respecting the grandeur of Hashem. Avoderech reiya ba'alma sheroin bo, but just looking at it, 
Mutter, that's fine. So we have to explain the exact definition of Istaklus. From the Lavush, it sounds like looking up and, and saying, wow, that's gorgeous, is no problem. Saying, wow, this is incredible, Marabu Masacha is not Histaklus, Bahabata, Behisbonanus. It's gorgeous. That's what it sounds like from the Lavush. What exactly is this chutzpah? Right? We've mentioned this before. But what exactly is the disrespect to Hashem if you're gazing at the rainbow that somehow represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So we have at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, and I think this might be similar to what Goldstein was alluding to. It says that, V'eletzile b'nei Yisrael lo sholach yado, Hashem did not send his hand against the Zakanim, he did not destroy the Zakanim. Vayachzu Esalokim, they were gazing at Hashem, Vayochlu Vayishtu, and they were eating and they were drinking. So there's a massive machlokis we showing them how to understand that line, Vayochlu Vayishtu. And this is what Moshe is coming down, right, receiving the, uh, the Torah. And the Zakanim are there and they have this amazing. Uh, this, this epiphany of Kaddish Baruch Hu. They're gazing at him, v'yochlu v'yishtu. So Unkelis and others say it was actually describing what an amazing, awesome, intense spiritual connection they had. It was as if they were eating and drinking. But Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says, Hashem didn't send his hand to destroy them, meaning to say they were worthy of destruction. Why were they worthy of that? It was describing the way they were looking at this, this image was believed gas. It was with a sense of arrogance. And they're eating and drinking. Ah, that's a Kaddish Baruch Can you pass the fries, please? Right? Some more ketchup. That's what Rashi quotes in the Medrash Tanchuma. It sounds like from the Lavush, it's a similar thing when it comes to a rainbow. If the rainbow somehow represents Hashem, which is a very dangerous thing to even say, but to be gazing at it, that means I'm, I'm, I'm lacking respect. Here's an analogy. If, if you're speaking to somebody, let's say you have an opportunity to spend five minutes with Rav Chaim Kanievsky, and you can mamish ask him anything. So let's pretend obvious Rav Chaim Kanievsky, right? And I'm sitting across from you. Would I be doing this, gazing into your eyes, I wouldn't be doing that. I would be most likely the, the natural sense of reverence. I, I, I could barely look at you. I'm not going to be gazing into your eyes. I'm going to be looking down and looking up. There's an awkwardness if I machshiv someone. So it sounds like that's kind of the philosophy behind the chutzpah of real histakalus behisbonanus. So for someone to be a meteorologist and look, look at a rainbow for scientific reasons. So we're going to get more into that in Mitzvah with our Kiddush Levana discussion. Right. Am I allowed to be an astronomer? Mitzvah Shem will get there. But I'm not sure the Levush, his, when he says his bonus, I don't, I don't know if it's limited to spiritual his bonus. So you, you give the correct Kavana, let's say, you know, that gazing leads to this kind of, you know, us, you know. Right. If you have a command of like, I want to give this, I just want to learn more, like a child looking into their father's eye, the other way around, like, if that's the connection you want to have to be overrun by 
So I could definitely hear a logic to that. My, my fear would be, because we don't find that in the poskim, yeah. I'd be nervous to apply that lamaisa in any way. What we do find in the poskim is that real histaklos is something that we should avoid. So to, to appreciate it, to say, wow, that's gorgeous, is fine. But to really, really look with intensity, that, that sounds like we should avoid. Uh, is, is that applied also, that's only to a natural arrangement? A lot of people have prisms put up to reflect a rainbow on the wall or... So it only applies to a natural rainbow. I think it's meduyuk like that in the Pasuk and it, it, the, the Gemara itself. It's only banan. Only banan. Only banan. Yeah. Is it the difference between like a half rainbow or full rainbow? Or so we're going to get there regarding the bracha. We're going to get there in Mamash one moment. But it sounds like the, the issue of his stocklos, we, we don't make a distinction. Stockless, it sounds like, should be avoided even for half of a rainbow. There's something like a, a, a couple of times a two rainbows back to back. Double. Double. <laughs> Keep on going back and forth. I'm not going to stockle either one. It's like living not in a. Not that I've seen. I don't Can know. Can you picture of a rainbow? Can you take a picture of the rainbow? pictures because you're, you're going to be gazing at the, the whole purpose taking a picture. Good question. I haven't seen anyone say you can't. When it comes to one of the celestial bodies, the sun or the moon, there there's a real issue because you're not allowed to create an image of the sun or the moon and taking a picture is really creating an image. Uh, when it comes to the rainbow though, there's no issue of creating an image of the rainbow, so I assume that's fine. There's no same question about painting. Right. Let's jump though for a moment. The other area of halacha we find this distinction between histaklus and re'iyah is in Evan Ezer Chafalev. speaks about the prohibition of gazing at women. And there it says that even be'etzba ketana, even at somebody's small finger, ha'mistakul afilu be'etzba ketana shal isha, if someone's gazing at the small finger of a lady, v'niskaven lehonos mimeno, and they have intent to derive benefit from that, that's an iser, deris of losasuru, of not to follow after one's eyes. However, the Mishnah Burin Simon Ayin Hay in Orchayim, he says there is a distinction that re'iya ba'alma tumo, just seeing somebody, tumo means without gazing, right? that's mutra, that's permissible. And there are other places as well we find this chilik between Histaklus and Re'iyah. Fine. So that's regarding the Gemar and Chagigo. How about telling your friend, Hey, look at this. Gorgeous rainbow in the sky. Check it out. Or, or I saw one earlier. Or I saw one earlier. Right. Anything wrong with telling your friend? What could be the problem? Right. I've done many bad things in my life. You know, telling someone there's a rainbow in the sky is probably not up there in the top ten. <laughs> What's problematic? Leaf naiver because he might gaze. I'll tell him. There's a gorgeous rainbow. Don't gaze too long. Gemar and Chagiga. If it is for a simon ra, then how often are you going to be, you know, look at this car accident. Wow. So the truth is, based on the Avudraham, right, the way he was explaining the text of the bracha, that there might be some negativity to the rainbow. So you could argue sharing that information with someone might be inappropriate. Look, hey, look at this. HaKadosh Baruch wants to kill us all. 
but he's being nice enough not to. Maybe you don't want to say that. Oh. So let's quickly see this. The Mishnah Brewer, we're going to have to end with this discussion, says, quoting the Chayadim, Ein Kedai. He does not say it's Aser. He says, Ein Kedai, it's not worth it. Lahagid lechavero, sheyesh keshes mitam motzi diba. It's not Kedai to tell someone there's a rainbow based on the reason of motzi diba. It's like you're sharing Lashon Hara. If according to the Vujraham, there really is this negative connotation, so then by me showing you the rainbow, that's as if I'm saying, hey, Hashem wants to destroy us because there are many evil Jews out there. Isn't that great? Now, when you look at the Chayadam himself, it's very intriguing. The Chayadam says, he quotes the basic halacha, that you say the bracha, and it's Asr lihistakel bo biyoser, and then he says in parentheses, I found in one particular sefer, the name right now is eluding me. This is before they had Bar Ilan or Otsar HaChachma. That it's better not to tell your friend that there's a rainbow because of Motsi Diba. So it's a little bit strange. The entire source of this halacha or this, this Eitzah of, of not being Kadai, that everyone has heard of somehow, comes from a Sefer that the Chayadim forgot its name, and we have no other source in all of Torah literature saying, don't tell someone there's a rainbow. The Aruch HaShulchan doesn't quote anything like this, and therefore there does seem to be a lot of room to, to let someone know there is a rainbow for sure, and this is probably true even in the Mishnah Bura, even in the Chayadam, for sure if they could say a bracha. And they quote, this is from Achronim, uh, that if you're being mezakah someone in the opportunity to say a bracha, so then of course you should let them know there's a rainbow. When would I say a bracha? When would I not say a bracha? So the Berlacha has the suffolk, he has the question, maybe you'd only say the bracha b'shem malchus using the, the name of Hashem, if you see... Right, the whole half circle. If it's only a part of the rainbow, then maybe you wouldn't say the bracha. He concludes B'tzarechi, and he's not sure, but therefore we have a klal in general, suffolk brachos lahakel, and we paskin as follows. If you see the half circle, even if it's not the entire half circle, but it's pretty much that shape of the keshes, then you do say the bracha with Hashem's name. If it's only part of the rainbow, then you would not say a bracha. You would, you would say it without Shema Machus. Is, is, is that, if you want to say part of it, is that counted as a rainbow, or can you share it that? So, it's a good question. I think Dr. Manashev was also going in that direction. I haven't seen that distinction regarding the issue of staring. It sounds like staring should be avoided, but again, based on, on the Lavush and others, we, we don't really stare. To look up and appreciate it, and, and to show your friend for sure if they could say a bracha, and even if they can't say a bracha, yesh lodun, you could uh, look into that more. But that's pretty much the background of what the rainbow represents. Should we be afraid when we see it? The bottom line answer is no. If anything, we should just feel this uh, injection of Hashem's love. But the basic message is, no matter how you understand the text of the bracha, if it's the marsha, the abudraham, the overall theme is... Although we might go very far away from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, we have a bris, and Hashem will always maintain and secure and protect Klal Yisrael.
That's a good feeling, not a scary one. So that doesn't mean that something is happening now that, that's bad. 